0: I'm going grab a Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 21 in Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, we've been talking about money, um, and that's a scary thing to talk about, so we're going to keep talking about it, because that's what we do, we talk about scary things. I've been thinking this week a little bit, just reflecting on what we had discussed. And, and this morning, actually, we're going to kind of move away a little bit from, from the discussion of money and talk about time. So I think that they're very interconnected in the way that we think about them, the way that we think about time and money. A lot of people say time is money. So so what we're going to do is we're going to think together about time and the way that we manage and budget and steward that because for all of us here, we get, I don't know, somewhere around 75 trips around the sun. Um, And that's not very much if you start to think about it. Um, And and so what we want to do is just consider how we are stewarding, how we are managing our time. But then also think about uh, ways that we can, as people, as the people of God, um, um, consider time and consider what it is that you have for us or what God has for us in, in thinking about stewarding that that well. So, if, if you have uh, your Bible, uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, again, 15 through 21. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, Larry's got some in the back and he'll, he'll hand one to you. If you don't have a copy, you can take that with you. I think everyone looks to be good. So, Even as I was preparing this week, I was thinking about this, this concept and, and just, just like what drives us. What, what, is, what sort of is the, the rhythm that we live our lives by? And I think for a lot of us, especially in in America in 2016, we are driven by something that is other than our purpose uh, that we find in God. So if our purpose, we've said this all along, if our purpose is to bring God glory and to enjoy Him forever, a lot of us live by a rhythm other than understanding that purpose. And it's like, what am I talking about with rhythm? So I'm going to use this Sunday morning context as an example. We come here on Sunday morning. And for some of us it's duty, some of it, no, it's an obligation, but what we want to be doing is considering here what our rhythm of life is for the rest of the week. What does that look like for the rest of the week as we go out from here? What is, what is sort of the, the underlying beat that's playing in our ears as we go? And I think when we come here on a Sunday morning, sometimes we're putting our finger on our pulse and we're, we're saying, hey, do I still have one? Do I still have a pulse? Is it still there? And you're thinking to yourself, okay, yes, it's still there. And I think there's sort of this like hospital, like medical tent mentality that we're coming in here and we're getting fed and we're being renewed so we can go out there and get blasted. But that's not, the, that's not what this is designed to do. That's not what corporate worship is designed to do. In fact, it's designed to do the very opposite. We come together as God's people. We come together as the people of God because like what Philip read in Romans 8 this morning, that we are more than conquerors. We come together, the victory has been won, and we're going to put our ear to the ground and we're going to hear war drums. And we're going to think to ourselves, how is it that we are more than conquerors? And we're going to think to ourselves, when I put my ear to the ground, those war drums that I hear in the distance are those the rhythm by which I am living my life? Because if they are, then your purpose will be apparent. Who you, A lot of you are like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. But what I'm, what I'm saying to you is, is, we come here not to be poured into, but to recognize who we are. And there's an element to us that we come here and we consume, we want to be fed, we want to hear what God's word has to say to us, so that we can go out and demonstrate that our purpose is to bring God glory and to enjoy Him forever. And so this morning, I think that dovetails into, as we think about time, because of the rhythm aspect of our lives, and a lot of us are being driven or governed by something that is something other than our purpose that we find in the pages of Scripture and what God has created us for and intended us uh, to be. So let's read this passage together. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, um, verses 15 through 21 this morning. Uh, Ephesians five. It's like towards the end of your Bible. Um, there's this helpful thing that I that I always remember and I always think about it. Um, so we have uh, we have the Gospels, right? And then we have um, and then we have Acts, and then we have Romans, and then we have the Corinthian correspondence the big these big books, and then we have Galatians, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And I always remember those General Electric Power Company. If that helps you, I don't know. It, it always it always helps me. Um, It helps me remember, because I always go to the end, and I, I I don't know. Should I be admitting that to you as your pastor is about to preach to you? I don't know. Okay, so here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. Let's read this together. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always And for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. A lot here, let's pray. Oh God, we thank you again for your word. God, we thank you that that you have written to to us in order that we might know you. God, we know that we as a people are constantly trying to understand who we are. Lord God, And the best possible way for us to know that is to explore who you are in your word. Lord God, so as we look at this passage this morning, there's a Paul writes to the church in Ephesus something very important, a passage that might be very familiar to us, Lord God, I pray as we consider our time, Lord, we pray that we would consider what has mastery over us, and I pray that we would consider that you are the one who is calling us to, even as we just sang a minute ago, surrender our lives to you. Lord God, so that's the posture of our heart now, we pray that Jesus would be exalted in the things that are said for the remainder of our time together. God, I pray that we would put our ear to the ground this morning and we would hear those war drums that we go out from here. Lord God, and, and that rhythm would be the one by which we live our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Again, so we're we're in our fifth week of talking about money and again we're moving away a little bit from that. But 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 this this is incredibly relevant as we think about the ideas of shrewdness that we thought about last week and stewardship that we thought about the week before and generosity the week before that and then and then just the idea of treasure and, and so when we talked about shrewdness last week, we were talking about um, Building up and understanding the things that that, that God has created, that God has given to us, and, and using those in a way that honors Him in a good stewardship type of way. And then, if the psalmist says to us in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, then we are caretakers, when we look at Genesis chapter 1, and we saw God create man in his image, and he said, have dominion over all that I have created, he is saying to us, be stewards of it, have dominion, you are sovereign over it, and God's purpose is given to man in this Genesis 1 passage, he wants us to care for creation Um and for us, a lot of us, that, that may look a little bit different than, than, than a plot of land or a garden. Some of it is, it, some of us it is, uh, as simple as that. But some of us it is, is paperwork and spreadsheets and, and other things of that nature. God has called us to steward all that we have been given, including our, our money, and steward it well. We're thinking about if the fact that Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart is also, if your treasure is in heaven, then you should shrewdly, shrewdly, just like the dishonest manager that we thought about last week, should shrewdly use and work towards uh, the treasure that is not an earthly treasure, but a heavenly one. And when we're thinking about how Jesus holds up a big mirror to our heart, when we think about money when we think about our time as well and when we think about these things that God is, t- is commanding us to steward he's holding up a big mirror to our heart and it's saying uh, it's a loud resounding um, uh, uh, it, it, it continues to press us to I should say Matthew uh, chapter 6 verse 21 where Jesus says where your treasure is there your heart will you be or will be also." And so the question coming out of that is, are you getting closer to your treasure? If your treasure is eternal, if your treasure is in heaven, and, and, and you are moving through this life in, in, in a, at a rapid pace, you're, you're, you're 18, 25, 60 trips around the sun deep. Are you getting closer to your treasure, or are you getting farther away from it? Are you withholding or stinges? we talked about? And again, that passage that Philip read this morning in, 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 uh, in, in Romans 8... If God has freely given us all things, why are we acting in a withholding or stingy way despite the fact that God has been so generous with us? So, last week we did this, and I think this is helpful because I think all of these concepts can start to become fragmented and segmented in our minds, but what we want to do is just kind of sum up everything we've talked about. I just added one word from last week, the word truly, and you'll you'll, you'll see this here, but let's think about everything that we've thought about in just one simple sentence. How you use money indicates the position of your heart by shrewdly working out the truth of the gospel in faithful management and generosity. Again, how you use money indicates the position of your heart by shrewdly working out the truth of the gospel in faithful management and generosity. So when we get together this morning and think about what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 21, what we're thinking about um, is this, and this is kind of our big idea this morning. In the same way that we are called to manage money in a shrewd and God-honoring way, so we are called to manage time in a shrewd and God-honoring way. That seems like a very simple, straightforward statement Um, but what we need to do is reflect on what the Bible says about that um, and the implications on it for our day-to-day lives. So again, big idea this morning. The same way that we are called to steward, to manage, to care for money in a shrewd and God-honoring way, so we are also in the same way called to manage, care for, steward, have dominion over our time in a God-honoring and shrewd way. Okay, so look down at your Bible. Let's look at verses fifteen through twenty-one. Let's think about some of the ideas that are going on here in this passage. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of places that you go when you preach this text. What I'm going to give us. I'm going to center it sort of around this uh, this verse sixteen. Uh, this verse sixteen imperative. This command making the best use of our time because the days are are evil. That's going to kind of be our hinge this morning. But I think to get sort of the proper perspective, I want you to go all the way back to, I want you to go all the way back to uh, verse 1 of chapter 5. What, let's do 1 and 2 of chapter 5. You've got to flip a page, look there with me. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself, us, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this is kind of setting the tone, right? be imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up. And then sort of like as we move out of that, if you read this text, if you see in verses 3 through 14, we kind of have this list, right, this this understanding that he's given. And really what, what Paul is trying to communicate in verses 3 through 14 is sort of the definition of what it means to love as Christ loved. And what it means to walk in love as Christ loved. Um, And we see a couple of really uh, key indicators there in 3 through 14. One is marked by sexual purity. And then the second one is uh, speech that is God-honoring. And I think as Christians we tend to look at verses 3 through 14 and we sort of take them in a vacuum. We look at 3 through 14 and we're like, here's what I don't do. Like this is not do these things and I'm good. Cool. Um, fundamentally anti-gospel in that approach, we, we need to read this in light of verses 1 and 2 in chapter 5. Um, and if we just take 3 through 14, if you read that, that those, the, those verses together, um, and just take them in a vacuum, some of these ideas, some of these issues will become societal issues and not heart issues. You'll take them and you say, Oh, look at those people out there. Um, um, All those people out there doing those things that the Bible says not to do, rather than to say, look at their heart, what is God communicating about, where their heart is, and their desperate need for for the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, Sometimes what we do is, if we make these societal issues, then we make them about moralism and behavior modification, and that becomes a standard, right? Right? But the the reality is as we look at these things, we look into our own heart and we reflect. Again, a big mirror is held up against our own heart and we look at them and we see that, no, this is us. This is us. This is not someone else. This This is who we are. We need to focus rather on the internal transformation that takes place as a result of the gospel. And if we have the responsibility to respond in joyful obedience to God's love for us on our behalf, and when we look at verse 5 or chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 and then look at verses 3 through 14 we see exactly what we need to be saved from and the fruit then of what it means to obey and live a life that is in submission to Jesus Christ. So Paul says that a heart that loves Jesus, a heart that walks in love as Christ loves, bears this this fruit. It there's this fruit of sexual purity and God-honoring speech, and if it is under the fullness of the heart, right? Jesus says this, if it's under the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. If it's on the fullness of the heart that the mouth speaks, then, uh, then uh, guarding our tongue is loving as Christ loved. If we engage in in activity and in, in sexual activity, like we see in verses three through fourteen, that's contrary to God's design. We are sinning against others and marring the image of God on humanity by elevating our personal desires and appetites over our love for others. So this is kind of the lead-in, right? This is this is sort of. Verses 1 through 14. Then we get to our text this morning. We look in verse 15. And so then there's this admonition that Paul gives to the church in Ephesus look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully then how you walk. And what Paul is saying to them is just reflect. He's saying reflect on how you're living your life, reflect on the things that you're doing. How does it compare to the fruit we know that comes out of a life impacted by the gospel? And be careful about it. Don't reflect flippantly. Don't come to this text and think about it and just say, oh, yeah, okay, good, yeah, move on. Be careful about it. Don't be flippant. Really think about it. How am I walking? Look at the second half of verse 15. Not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, alright? Not as unwise, but as wise. So there's this carryover then from our discussion about shrewdness last week when we were thinking about what it means to be shrewd, and the opposite of shrewdness is stupidity. So we want to be people who are wise and understanding. Am I leveraging what I have been given in Jesus and working towards my heavenly treasure? Or, ignoring, or Am I ignoring God's commands and pursuing earthly things, investing in earthly things rather than in eternal things? And again, that doesn't give us a whole lot of handles, but we're going to try and do that in just a minute here. It is then evidenced by what Paul says in the next Two verses, right? So he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, but as wise. And then in verse 16, making the best use of time because the days are evil. This is kind of, again, where we want to camp for the rest of our time together. So the question then as I look at this is, well, what does it mean to make the best use of time? If Paul's readers were looking at this and said, what does it mean to make the best use of time, Paul? That's what we want to think about. Look at verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish. First thing, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. And then the positive command that comes out of that, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's a question that we ask a lot. What's God's will? What's God's will for my life? We ask that question all of the time, right? Well, I think that we can just reverse engineer this a little bit. Back up to verse 16. It might be a circular argument, but we're going to engage in it anyways. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? It's to make the best use of the time. It's to make the best use of the time. It's to, back up to verse 15, to walk wisely, not as unwisely. bringing God glory by joyfully responding to the truth of the gospel in obeying all that he commands. So when we see these imperatives, when we see these commands here, we look at them and we say, okay, what is it that I need to do? And we say, make the best use of the time. But then he gives us a few more, a little bit uh, more significant examples here. We move to verse 17. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then verse 18. Don't get drunk on wine. Well, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So the negative, right, don't get drunk on wine, but be positive, filled with the Spirit. If we're in Christ, then this is our understanding of this, right? If we're in Christ, then we as people have the Spirit of Christ residing within us. And yet, Paul tells the Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit. It is a spirit-filled life that will, uh, will understand what the will of the Lord is. It is a spirit-filled life that will bring God glory by joyfully responding to the truth of the gospel and obeying all that he commands. And out of that, look at this. And out of that, out of verse 18 into verse 19, we have this community aspect where we talk about community a lot. Well, why do we talk about community a lot? It's not because we just want to get together and hang out. It's because we want to point each other to the truth of the gospel. And that's what we see then in in verse 19 addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we see addressing one another, speaking the truth of the gospel as a worshiper, demonstrating gratitude. Verse 20, giving thanks always. And then submitting to one another. and These, are, these then become the markers of this spirit, spirit-filled life. Getting drunk on wine is debauchery. It is a self-oriented activity. Being filled with the spirit is a others-oriented activity. Out of the filling of the spirit, we will address one another as worshipers. We will give thanks and and give gratitude to God for everything that we have. And we will submit to one another. We will will put the needs of others before our, our own needs. And so as we look at this text then, this is what it means to make the best use of time. So again, make the best use of time. Bring God glory by being others oriented and not being self oriented. So the question then becomes, what does this mean for us, right? What does this mean for us? Let's put some hands on this. Because this is not necessarily an easy thing. We're thinking about our time. Right, I think the first thing is this, and we've kind of sort of began to touch on this already, but let's carry it through to its logical conclusion. It means that we need to consider time as a resource, right? Something that needs to be stewarded. Something that needs to be cared for. Something that needs to have dominion exercised over it something that needs to be managed. Again, we get 75 trips around the sun, right? Ish, right? Some of us more, some of us less. It doesn't go on forever. Are we living in a way that thinks that this goes on forever? I sound like a broken record at this point, but, but are we investing in eternal things? If we are, then that 75-ish years looks like, looks like something completely different than if we're investing in earthly things where we say, oh my gosh, I only have X number of years left. And again, this plays right in, this is why we're talking about time in a series of money, because it plays right into our understanding of money. God has given us time to budget and steward properly. Again, we're going to use the same language when we think about time. It is a finite resource that we have. So we're called to make the best use of it again, like Paul says in verse 16 of chapter 5 in Ephesians. If God gave us dominion over and calls us to care for creation, that includes time. Time is created. God is not bound by time. He stands outside of it. So, you can use time for proper purposes or improper purposes in the same way that you can use money properly or improperly. So, is time a commodity that you use for yourself primarily? Same question that we asked about money. Is money a commodity that we use for ourselves primarily? Or is it for others? Making the best use of our time, being others-oriented rather than self-oriented and Paul clearly outlines this host of actions in verses 19 through 21 that are clearly not selfie-oriented, but others-oriented. And like he writes in 5.1, as we look at 5.1 and 5.2, therefore be imitators of God, God's beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Are we walking as Christ Love us again. That's an others-oriented activity. How do we make the best use of time as a resource? Again, simply this: invest in others and invest in heavenly things. So, when we think about money, when we talk about money, when we process it through, I'm always a little frustrated by the way that church the church does this, and I'm sure that you have been to at some point in your life if you've been part of a church before. um, I think because oftentimes it becomes sacrificial giving becomes more of a write a check and toss it in the basket activity than it does actually a sacrificial one. That doesn't take a lot of time. It does not take a lot of time to cut a check and toss it in the basket or put cash in an envelope or go online and click whatever it is that you click. It's to, um, and, and, and so, like, as far, as far, like, a lot of times we see churches and their programs being invested in financially really well. Like, oh, we got enough money to make this happen. But it typically works out where there aren't enough people to make it go. I've heard it said a lot of times, well, I can't give financially. This is the flip side. I can't give financially right now, so I'm just going to give my time. I'll just give my time. Unfortunately, the Bible paints a picture for us where those two cannot be separated. They are both commodities that are supposed to be used in a sacrificial way. It's a nice sentiment to say, Well, I don't have any money to give, so I'm just going to give my time. It's a nice, nice sentiment. But again, if you're giving the leftovers, it doesn't demonstrate sacrificial giving at all. It demonstrates that you are primarily self oriented. Before others oriented. And so, sacrificial giving, good stewardship, shrewd, kingdom focused activity, shrewd, kingdom focused use of resources requires both time and money. Um, again, here, here, here's an example that, that I just kind of want to throw your way, especially for parents of young children, or this is kind of a headspace I'm in all the time, um, you can apply it other places to mind the principles here. Again, parents, this is a, an incredible warning, the church has done a really good job of raising a lot of people's kids for them. The church has done a really good job of raising a lot of people's kids for them. We drop them off at church a night or two a week, and, and maybe even how about is your god-given responsibility to shepherd and speak the truth of the gospel to your kids. If We say that our mission is to make disciples who make disciples. Parents of children, those are that's your primary mission field. It happens in the home. This is not an overcomplicated thing to say. It is not an overcomplicated to say, thing to say that your kids are the first place that you're pouring into with the truth of the gospel. We're not we're not abdicating that responsibility. We're not we're not outsourcing our, our desire or our need to be the primary spiritual voice in the life of our children. And are church activities for kids bad? No, absolutely not. But they can quickly replace intentional gospel-centered family time. So, as a parent, look at your calendar. If you spend more time running your children from activity to activity than you do sitting down and reading the Bible together and praying together and worshiping together as a family might be time to rethink that calendar. Your kids don't need your kids don't need Timmy's dad throwing a dodgeball at his head and reciting John 3:16 to him as much as they need you to be speaking the truth of the gospel. They need you to listen to their struggles making friends and pointing them to the ability that they have to be called friends of God because of the work of Jesus. Your kids don't need to make more possible stick people with Genesis 1.26 written on it. They need you to sit down and say, son, you're daughter. You're made in the image of God. He cares for you more than I, as your parent, could ever care for you. He loves you more than I, as your parent, could ever love you. And this is one very, very Practical way that we can invest in eternal things. If you don't have kids, or others who have kids. If you if you don't have kids, think about your spouse. Are you guys filling up your calendar? Just if you're just a couple, are you filling up your calendar? If you're empty nesters, filling up your calendar, there's so much that you're never connecting with your spouse. Do your interests and likes and dislikes never overlap? self-oriented over over others-oriented is what it means to not make the best use of time what it means to be foolish and what it means to be unwise so let's reorient our thought. let's think of others before ourselves so again this action item from this week then, I would say for everyone to sit down look at your calendar, if you don't keep a written calendar maybe write everything down that you do over the course of the week, sit down, what, what, what during your week are you spending time thinking about uh, more than the things of God with your family or your spouse? Uh, where are you abdicating the responsibility to others? And work to root that out. Work to root that out. The ability to speak the truth, and this is this is kind of a summary statement here because I think some of us, when we think about this, we're like, well, how do I spend time teaching the truths of Scripture to my kid? not sure that I'm equipped for that. The ability to speak the truth of the gospel to your kids and to others will come as a result of your own personal devotion. God, again, that's word. I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. I'm saying it to you as a person who is also struggles daily to spend time in God's Word and to know God. God gives us His Word to know Him. And He gives us the purpose to communicate that knowledge of Him to others. Then we must spend time in God's Word. Spend time in prayer and meditation on the person and work of Jesus. Spend time in prayer and meditation thinking about God's goodness towards us in Jesus Christ. I do that regularly as we possibly can. Okay, so that first one then, the implication, what does it mean for us to use time as a resource and to use it well? It means to invest in, other, invest in others, invest in heavenly things, and heavenly things. Again, that is a money, a financial issue, but it is also a time issue. And then secondly, I would just say this very briefly, be grateful. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving is what, like, eleven days away. It's coming up. We're gonna sit down with our family. We're all gonna go around the table. We're all gonna say, "What are we thankful for?" I don't know. That's the tradition we have in New York, the church. I think it's pretty cool. Here's the problem with that. There's not a problem with that. But here's the problem. I think that we oftentimes, that, that 15 minutes worth of time thinking about what we're thankful for is, is the time where Christians engage in prosperity theology more than any other time throughout the course of the year. What do I mean by that? I mean that we think about our health. I mean that we, we say we, we're healthy. I'm thankful that, that Timmy got to go to such a great school. I'm thankful that I didn't have to get that root canal. I'm thankful that we have a roof over our head. I'm thankful for for this turkey and whatever's on our table. That's not bad. We should be grateful for those things. We should be grateful for those things. But what are the implications? What are the implications if we're not? What are the implications if we have to get that root canal? What are the implications if Timmy doesn't get accepted into that school? What are the implications if that food wasn't there what are the implications for us would we be grateful i look at verse 20 and when i see that paul admonishes the church in ephesus giving thanks always for and for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ i don't see contingencies talk about this a lot with the commands that are given to us in scripture i don't see contingencies here it's not saying giving thanks as long as you're healthy as long as you've got money in the bank the majority of your time reflecting think about this, when you sit down at the table and say what are we thankful for, if we spend the majority of our time reflecting and acting on the material, the temporary, the earthly, we're going to have a lot of cause to be ungrateful but if we sit down and we spend the majority of our time reflecting and acting on the spiritual the eternal, the heavenly the things that aren't going to go away after 75 trips around the sun Then we will be we will be unable to do anything but be incredibly grateful. You have hope. Not because Jesus will make you healthy and wealthy here on this earth by giving you stuff, but you have hope because Jesus has breathed life into your lifeless corpse. That is why you have hope. And now, together we respond. We, together, refuse to say that our time and our money is ours, but it is given to us by God to steward, to manage, to care for. So, in conclusion this morning, just one thought. So, thinking about time, thinking about what Paul says to the Ephesians in verse 16 of chapter 5, making the best use of time because the days... Are evil. I hope our wheels together can turn on this, whether it's a community group or whether it's just being together this week. Think about the fact that how we use time is incredibly important, how we steward it. You and I both know that coming to worship on a Sunday morning does not make us a follower of Jesus. Coming into this room on a Sunday morning does not make us a follower of Jesus. loving to be together as the people of God is the fruit of the Christian life. I love you all. I love to see your faces when you walk in. And I wish that I could spend more time with you on a Sunday morning. Like it's hard for me that I that that I got you know, you know. But like the, the love to be together with the people of God is the fruit of the Christian life or a evidence of it or a a fruit of the Christian life. <coughs> I would challenge you, if you come through the door on a Sunday morning, and if, you, if you're doing the culturally acceptable thing, if you're walking through the door on a Sunday morning, because it's the culturally acceptable thing, as you wait for NFL to kick off in an hour, or as you wait to go across the street to the depot and get your soup. It's not an NFL day, but... I don't know why I'd go there on any other day. <laughs> I would implore you then, as you think about that, to stop and reflect and ask the question why? Why? You show up when it's convenient using time as an excuse. The same goes with intentional time with your kids, speaking gospel truth in their lives. Same goes for engaging others, building relationships centered in the gospel. Same goes for actively sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with your unbelieving neighbors or coworkers. Not having time to invest in attritable things boils down to mismanagement or stewardship, self-oriented thinking, rather than others-oriented thinking. So again this week, let's let's be diligent. Let's look at our calendars together. Let's consider the items on it. Are they things that are making the making use of the time well, like Paul admonishes us to do in verse 16? Are they Things that are 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 in place that invest in the earthly and or the, the heavenly and eternal, or the things that foolish and self-centered investing in earthly and temporary. So for the last couple of weeks I've done this and I'm out of notes, but I'm gonna say one more thing. Jesus Christ used his time. He made the best use of his time. You as an individual are incapable of making the best use of your time all the time. We're going to use it in self-centered, self-oriented ways. So the admonition here this morning is not for you to come into this room and hear me say, use your time down. The admonition is to come into this room this morning and say, I do not use my time well, but Jesus, we have 33 trips. you can get 75. But every one of those moments, every piece of of that time, every single moment of every single day was used to achieve the purpose that God had put him here on this earth. And that was to come in a humble circumstance, to live a life that was perfect, to die a death that he didn't deserve to die on your behalf so that his shed blood <coughs> wash you clean. So when when God looks at you and says, and you say, I did not use my I did not make the best use of the time, more often than not, my time was used for self-oriented purposes rather than others-oriented purposes. God says, He looks at you and sees the righteousness of Christ rather than the merit that you have tried to cultivate. Your sin is washed away in him. You can hear the words then, come out of the Father's mouth. Well done, faithful servant. So this is about it. we go from here, we strive, we work towards the purpose that God has given to us, but ultimately it's all been taken care of. So go from here, look at your calendar, figure out what's going on there. Is it invested, or are you investing in internal things with your time? Consider that question. The only reason that you can actually ask that question is because of what Jesus has done for us. Again, I don't know if it made any sense. Say it again. We come here, we're going to put our ear to the ground. We're more than conquerors. We're going to hear those war drums. We're not going to hear a harmon. We're going to walk out from here with the understanding. God has created us for a purpose. He's created us, and He created a way for us to achieve that purpose to bring Him glory. Let's pray.